Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message titled Worship Outside a Church was given by Darren Roundsen and is the third in our series, Worship. Hey, good morning. My name's Darren. Um, man, I am, I'm all shaky and uh, I have no idea why. I was just praying for Howard and my heart was just being moved. I just think the last two weeks we've been praying for missionaries and sending them out. And it just feels like, man, that's what we need to be doing. We just need to be doing that more, yeah? That's what the church is here for. Ah. Well, I um, have a little bit of something to share with you. See what happens. Um, I uh, I want to bre- invite Brandon in- up in just a little bit, but I just want to share what I've, I've prepared as as an intro. Um, two weeks ago, we started a small series. We're starting a, just a month long series on worship. We have two more weeks of this, and then we're going to jump back into the kingdom of God, going verse by verse through the book of Mark. But two weeks ago, I talked about worship as we were looking at the new year, January second. Everyone seems to be, or, or most people about 50% people write goals, but we reorient our lives around the things that we value, whether it be a healthier diet, time with family, rest, vacations, reading more, prayer more, making prayer closets and stuff like that. Whatever our goals were for the year, it's clear that we tend as people to orient our lives around what we value. And that's, a, that's just a, a, a non-Christian way of, say, of saying that we worship the things that we value. We're all worshiping beings. And two weeks ago, I talked about worship as, uh, as life. And the goal of our, our lives is to offer what we have back to God. And, and we looked at Romans chapter 12, where, where Paul goes through 11 chapters of just giving a church the explanation of the gospel. He just gives them 11 chapters of, of this is what God's done in the beginning of history. This is the condition of humankind. Um, this is what Jesus did on the cross. Here's what's up with the Jews. Here's what we do. God, you're, you're loved by God because of Jesus. That's your identity. In view of all of God has done, the only thing that we could possibly do is to offer our lives back. We've received everything And now what we do is we learn to give everything back to God. And that's the goal of worship. And so we looked at that two weeks ago. How do we learn to offer our lives back to God where we are? And then last week, Bill was talking very practically about what happens when Christians, when believers get together on a Sunday or whenever they get together during the week and they worship. Why do we sing songs about God? Why, where else do we sing like this? Unless we're in a choir or at a bar or something or rooting for our, our favorite football team and, and we're in England and singing songs. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. Why do we sing and, and, and Bill talked about how when we come on Sunday, if we're a believer, if you've accepted the reality that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, then that changes everything. Amen? And that we orient our lives around a whole new calendar where once a week we wake up early and sometimes some of us set up, sometimes some of us serve the children's ministry, but we come together and we sing songs. Some of them are off key, some of them are on key, sometimes we don't feel like it, but we sing songs to orient our lives around that ultimate truth that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and that he sits on the throne, not us. Because everything else in this world is trying to tell us that we must serve the gods of consumerism, uh, consumerism, the God of wealth, the God of self, that we somehow put ourselves on that throne. But, But what we do on Sunday and what Jamie and the worship team tries to do 
is give us space to allow our hearts to bubble up the songs that we've been singing all week long. There's 168 hours in the week, and once a week for about an hour we sing worship songs. And that should come out of about about 167 hours of preparation. That when we come here, we shouldn't be waiting for the music to start. And I believe this. We should be bubbling up with anticipation that we get to sing today. We get to sing this truth. That's what we do here on Sunday. We worship as, as a corporate discipline of recognizing that we're not on the throne. So we sing together in one voice. Sometimes it sounds a little funky, but it's good. Amen? What I want to talk to you guys about today is what happens when the people of God just sing on Sundays and forget to live the songs out during the week? What happened when the people who are intended, they're intended to live life in such a way, seven days a week, that it reveals, their very lives reveal the God of the universe in the most ordinary things? What happens when those people who are set apart to reveal God's character, God's unique identity, His oneness, What happens when all they do is sing on Sunday and they forget about the other six days a week? Because the Hebrew concept is a concept we're talking about because somehow we've distinguished worship on Sunday and everyday life. How many of you struggle with this concept that that actually you can offer your workplace as a place of worship? Isn't this hard to understand that I could be washing dishes and just giving the greatest adoration to the Father in heaven by simply scrubbing the the dish that is stuck with God knows what from whatever I cooked? Or, Or if I'm hanging out with some friends getting coffee that I somehow in the midst of that can just offer that experience up to God. How many of you struggle with that reality? I'm the only one. Okay. All right. Brandon, come here. Just kidding. Not yet. I was going to give up. Um... Most of us struggle with this. And I, and I get that. I struggle with this. But what, what I want to talk about is just this understanding that God delights and desires every aspect of our life to be offered to Him in worship. So the way we deal with our finances, the way we spend our time, the way we treat people, the way we go to church, the way we leave church, the way we eat after church, the way we are hanging out with friends on the, on the playground when we're playing dodgeball and they throw a ball at us and it doesn't really hit us, but they're saying it hit us. And you're like, what's up with that? <laughs> Who, can you guys say amen to that? Anyone? <laughs> or the Exactly. Or the four square, whatever you guys are playing nowadays. You have to suck it up and say, okay, I'm out. (laughs) How do you offer that type of life as worship? And it goes even one step further because as we begin to just live our lives as is, as we offer that to God, I think we forget that there is something very specific that God does. There's an emphasis in the Bible that God has. How many of you know this? That one out of ten verses in the Gospels have to do with the poor, the needy, and the marginalized. How many of you know this? One out of ten verses in the Gospels. One out of fifteen verses in the entire Bible have to do with the same group of people. One out of fifteen verses in the entire Bible. I mean, look at this. I I have a smaller one. 
one out of ten verses talks and deals with the way the people of God, either in the Old Testament and the New Testament, how they're supposed to live and actively participate in justice. Actively participate in helping those that can't help themselves. And I'm not here this morning to, to bring a, a condemning message. I'm here for a plea. I'm here for a plea. I, I want to say this, that we are designed as Christians, as followers of Christ, to reveal God to this earth in our everyday life. And we are designed to actively participate in bringing justice to those that need it most. Justice, the word justice, um, the easiest definition is, is setting things right, making things right. It's not just about politics, although it is that. It's not just about um, uh, the systemic stuff, although it is that, but, but it's about setting things right. And, and you see this, in, and we talked about this in, in Exodus, where we did the Ten Commandments, if you recall. We said that God chose a, a people group and he said, you are designed to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, if you obey my commandments. And the commandments uh, just d define this community as a communi community that will reveal God. And then you get all of these laws that go with it. And these laws are, are the way of life for these, this people. And all throughout Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, the book, the first five books, you see this heavy emphasis that the people of God are supposed to live in a way that those that don't have enough are shared with. Those that have enough, share with those that don't have enough. That there's provision for those that actually have fields that they can harvest. That when they go by the first time and, and, and they, they, they collect their harvest, if they forget or if they miss part of the harvest, that, that has to be left for the orphans, the widows, and the aliens. That the people of God are designed to take care of the needs of the community and to seek after the injustices and to put them back together to repair, to renew all things. I don't want to convince you today of, of, of a, a great point, and this is my tendency, is I, I want to just, I want to say, this is truth, let's do it. Instead, I just want to, I want to present to you um, what Amos does. Go to uh, Amos chapter 5, it's in the Old Testament. He's one of the minor prophets. But the question I want to answer, and then I want to bring Brandon up and just share stories, is, is worship and justice go hand in hand? That justice has everything to do with worship. And the, and the Jewish community, they didn't see uh, a distinguished, they didn't, they didn't make a difference um, between sacrificing and worshiping at the, at the temple and caring for the poor. They didn't see that when they gave food to those who needed it, it was the same type of worship than what was going on in the temple. They didn't distinguish it. It was the same thing. But we somehow have, have made a big difference. That our lives are so segregated and compartmentalized that we can't even see that some of us come here on Sunday and this is the only time where our lives somehow reflect some type of radical truth that Jesus resurrected from the dead and he actually cares about the poor. That this isn't just... That, that missionary isn't a word sent for specific people that go overseas, although that is true. And that's a harder calling for many of us. We, most of us don't want to hear God, um, God say to us, we're going to Africa. But Jesus commissions everyone that follows him as missionaries. It just means you're sent one. 
We're all missionaries. We're all called to participate. And this is what Amos, this is what happens in Amos. The, the, the people that are supposed to real, reveal God on earth don't. And they sing songs, and they do their festivals, they do their religious activity, they go to community groups, they show up on Sunday, they might even set up chairs or run sound or sing songs in the, in the, the church choir. But Amos calls them out on something else. There was a missing ingredient to their worship. And listen to what it's, uh, verse 21, the book of Amos. It says, this is Amos speaking as God to the people of, uh, um, of Jerusalem. I hate, I despise your festivals. And I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So this is what happens. The people of Israel are doing what God commanded them to do. The book of Leviticus is clear. The Jewish life is, is circled around sacrifices and a calendar system that is all about celebrating God's provision and God's atonement of sin. So you have these great festivals, the Passover, the unleavened bread. You have the festival of weeks, the festival of harvest. You have all these festivals. And it's just like every couple of months you're just partying together. As a form of worship, you eat meals, you bring sacrifices, and you do that. God says, I despise those. I hate them. And he goes on, and Amos is literally going down the list of what people defined worship as through their religious activity. He says, hey, your, your offerings, um, your, your burnt offerings, um, I, I don't accept them. Burnt offerings... There was five different types of offerings in the Levitical system. Two of them had to do with atoning for sin. So it was what you had to do in order to be made right with God. There were two of them. But the three that, that Hosea lists have nothing to do with atonement. This has everything to do with their type of worship. This is what you would do if you would go above and beyond what was expected of you in Israel. You'd bring a burnt offering, a whole animal, and you'd offer to God as, as thanksgiving. So it's like putting your hands up in worship on Sunday. Just kidding. Nobody? Okay. No one? Okay. Or kneeling or something. Um, the grain offering would come. And if, if you, were, you were wealthy enough to have a, have a field that would, would collect grain and harvest and God provided, you would bring a grain offering and offer it out of thanksgiving. Um, not because you had to, but as thanksgiving for all that God provided and hopes that he would provide in the future. This was above and beyond worship. And then the well-being offering or the peace offering. This was a great one. This is what would happen. You would bring an animal, a big animal, and they would, they would burn it and they would cook it and they would give part of it to God and the rest, you would just have a great party with your family and the priests um, or the pastors. You could just invite them over and give them a good meal. And, uh, but what you would do is it represented the peace that you had with God. Imagine a system that's designed to say that you don't have peace with God, but you would eat a meal together that represented God's peace for you and community and you and God. And Amos says, on behalf of God, I despise this. I hate it. I don't want it. That doesn't matter to me if you sing songs. It says that the songs that he sings are noise to God. 
our noise to God. God doesn't hear their songs because for God, and this is the point, God rejects worship because it's not just about singing or religion, right? It's not just about singing. It rejects, it rejects Israel's worship because it's about their heart and about the way they live. And his, his ingredient that's missing is this. So that they're doing what was expected of them. This is what was expected of the Israelite community. The Israelite community, you would give, um, you would you would give your worship. You would sing songs together in the synagogues. You would come together and do these festivals. You would come together and offer your worship. This is the only way you knew how to you knew how to worship. But God says, I don't want that because it doesn't matter what happens between Saturday and Saturday for us on Sunday and Sunday. What really matters is what happens in between the week when you're outside of the temple courts or when you're outside of the church walls. What really matters is that justice flows. Justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. What really matters is justice and righteousness, which is what? The two words that reveal the character of who God is. God is just. God is righteous. So throughout centuries... And the Israelites, they missed it. They blew it. And what happened? They were in exile. God says, it's not about our activity on Sundays. It's about our hearts during the week. The way we live in our homes, the way we live in our marketplace, that's what God's interested in. You guys get that? And justice is about making things right. All throughout Scripture, Jesus is constantly rooting for the underdog. I mean, I, I really am I'm going to be surprised if on the day that, that Jesus begins to separate the sheep and the goats, or, or those that believe in him and th- don't, I, I don't think it's going to be this, where Jesus comes to you and says, okay, do you have uh, your theology workbook ready? Um, Calvinism, and starts going down the list of what you need to believe. Do you think that's what it's going to take? Or do you believe the words of Jesus that when the time comes, based on how we treated those disguised as Jesus in the poor, he's going to say, what you did unto the least of these, you did to me. I think this is all I want to say, and then I want to invite um, Brandon up, because I think the story that Brandon has is, is just in the embodiment of worship and justice. We reduce our worship to our comfort zone of songs, of our houses, of the people that look like us. We reduce our worship to the false gods of this world of comfort. And God calls us to worship in a way that goes outside of ourselves to bring and make things right. And, and when I say make things right, I, I really, Mother Teresa says it this way, if you can't feed 100 people, feed one. When I say make things right, I mean it very practically. When there's a child who's born that doesn't have a family that will love them, adopt them. That's making things right. When you walk by the guy and you don't know what he's going to do with that money, you don't give because you, you know what he's giving towards. You give because it has to do with your justice in your heart. And there are times, and use discernment, and that's your own thing, but we give out of a generosity. What, I, what do I mean by justice? Well, I mean by, by going an extra mile. When the person walks in on Sunday and, and, and doesn't smell right, don't get up and sit somewhere, somewhere else because it's going to distract you when you worship. 
or when you have to scoot your chair in a little bit because someone's trying to get by. What does justice look like? Well, sometimes it's going to the park and feeding even if you're going to get a ticket because it's illegal in Long Beach to pass out food. I don't know if you know that. Maybe you should just know that. That this city, it's illegal to distribute food without a distribution license. You can go and get a ticket at Lincoln Park for passing out sandwiches to hungry people. Maybe justice for you is simply learning what our demographic here looks like. And making things right. I mean, for me, guys, this is why this is so important. I'm trying my best to just bring Brandon up. <laughs> and and this, is, this is all over the place this morning. But I, I really believe this. Those that are hungry, those that don't have a home, those that don't have access, those that don't have power, those that didn't have a clue, how many of you have them on your top five list for, of people you need to call? How many of us see outreach as something that we go and do rather than bringing them, those people, those people, or them into our home and actually we put a name to the them? How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know that sometimes when you buy new furniture, you want to buy the type of furniture that, like a, a couch that won't allow the smell from someone who's homeless that stays with your couch? How many of you have been and experienced that type of that dynamic here in Long Beach. What does it look like to bring justice? And, and the, the question is that um, God rejects our worship when our, our hearts and, um, and our lives aren't in it. I really believe that that's today. And, and God starts with wherever we're at, so it's okay. But uh, Brandon, come here. Everyone, welcome Brandon. This is Brandon Stiver. So, Brandon, um, you can take whatever one you want. Okay, you take that one. Brandon is a friend of mine, and I met Brandon at a worship service at Rock Harbor. And uh, he was on his knees in prayer, and he's had bleached blonde hair, and his face was bright red because he was uh, kneeling at the cross. And he comes up to me and says, um, I'm, supposed to, I'm, I'm called to be a missionary in Africa, but I'm supposed to go to the garden and, and be there. And so we started a friendship, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but 2001, 2007, you heard God say, run an orphanage yeah. in, in Africa. Yeah, yeah. You turn it on? I think so. Yeah, I got a okay. green light. Okay, cool. All right. And uh, so plan an orphanage in Africa. And uh, he, he ends up coming to the garden, goes to Africa for a little bit, comes back. He's, he's going to leave in like four months. He comes to the garden and starts a children's ministry. Um, and, and for those of you that have kids here and didn't know him before, but Brandon pioneered this, this the children's ministry, and, and then passed it off to Alex, who has just taken it on, much like, like Brandon. And just to highlight Af- uh, Africa for some reason, but our children's directors seem to be called to Africa because Alex feels called <laughs> now. And uh, she's going to be going in this next year. But Brandon, so you, you left to start an orphanage or to help run an orphanage. Would you just tell us what you've done this last year? Because it's been a year since you've yeah. left. So. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I, I left Long Beach in uh, December, um, and then after a, like a month with my folks in the Midwest, um, I went, and I moved there in January, and I just got back uh, a week ago. So, um, so the Lord's just been up to a lot of good stuff. Um, just, you know, we, um, we, we, we like to learn a lot of things. We like to hear a lot of things um, from theologies or, or what have you because we want, to, we want to follow Jesus, right? That's why we all came to church today. We want to know what we're supposed to do. 
And um, over the last year, I can honestly say that 26 Tanzanian orphans have taught me more about the gospel than mm-hmm. I ever learned sitting in a service. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I knew the kids beforehand, and I still listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's really when the rubber hits the road, and we're just supposed to get out there, you know? It's, yeah. it's not, it, like, like you were saying, like, it's not, it's not about just the hour or two that we come to church. It's really about what we do in the in-between. And because this is too easy, right? Yeah. This is too easy. Like, like there has to be more to following Christ than just coming to church once a week. There has to be more. And um, when you look at the Bible narrative and, and just uh, uh, the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in each of our lives, you come to realize that, that, this, is, that, that this is the kind of stuff, you know, uh, ministry to widows and orphans and the disenfranchised, um, that that's how we learn the gospel. So, um, so over the last year, um, I've been helping run the orphanage. I'm the education director and the business manager there. And um, the Lord's taught me who he is. That would probably be the foremost thing. Wow, man. Um, so would you just explain maybe the feelings that you had when you felt called to Africa and then... Uh, specifically, what, what, what was your time like here? And then what would you say um, has been the hardest thing over this last year for you living there? Um, yeah, totally. Well, when I first got called to Tanzania, uh, it was Father's Day on 2007. And it was, I, was, I was attending Rock Harbor at the time, uh, our parent church. And, um, and the Lord just gave me words. He said, go run an orphanage in Africa. And it sounded absurd to me. I'd never given any thought to that. But he started to set into series of events, um, just confirming that that's what he was calling me to do. And um, one thing led to another. I went on a two-week trip. Following summer, I went on a two-month trip. Um, I started attending the garden in March of 2009. And then I left for a couple months to go do an internship in Tanzania, got the job, but came back knowing that the Lord was calling me to Long Beach for a season. So um, I came alongside the garden. Uh, One thing led to another. I became the children's director. And and so on and so forth, and was able to help out and, and serve in that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what the Lord, uh, that's the series of events that, that, that he brought me um, to, to, uh, to where I am. Yeah. What, what was the second part of that? Um, I don't even know, but here's what I want. Here's what I, I'd rather lead into this. Um, worship and justice. Yeah. Your life right now is caring for orphans. Yeah. Where you, uh, in many ways, have been fathering 26 uh, orphans yeah. in Tanzania. Would you just maybe just talk about yeah. that? And then, I mean, I want you to get your heart out here. I want these totally. people to know your heart because some of them don't know you. And uh, when you hear this guy talk, and it, when he gets passionate, you'll know when it happens. But I just want you to talk about what you're passionate about when it comes to this stuff. Well, I really um, love the definition that you gave for justice, setting things right. Um, you know, they're hurting people everywhere. There's hurting people in Long Beach. There's hurting people in Tanzania. Anywhere you go, there's hurting people. And you, you can look at these people. In my case, it's my own children. Um, I am their father, and that's why it's really hard for me to be here right now. Um, mm. But um, um, setting things right. Um, you know, these kids, they, they're born into things that are just unjust. It's just awful. Um, one of my daughters, her name is Diamond. Um, she is three years old now. Um, she'll be four in July. And um, she, um, she was abandoned in uh, a pile of trash. And um, she is the most precious little girl. And just to think that, that's, that that was her reality at one point. 
She was abandoned and left in a pile of corn husks. That's her reality. Is that right? No, that's not right. So when we live out the gospel, it's picking her up and saying, no, you, you are valuable. You are treasure. The name of our, of our children's home is Treasures of Africa Children's Home. Mm. And that's because these are the treasures of the Lord. These are the treasures. These, these, these children were abandoned. Their, their, parent, their, their biological parents have died. Whatever. Every kid's got a different story. But one thing or another, they were, they, there was injustices that have been holding them down. So um, living out the gospel for us looks like, looks like redeeming them, looks like um, uh, calling out who they really are. I mean, and each of the kids have a different story. Um, and um, and it's, just, it's just redeeming them and, and showing them, you know, this... This is what the Lord speaks over you. Yeah. The Lord didn't, did, didn't call you abandoned. Yeah. He didn't say that you're fatherless. He didn't say that you're HIV positive, because we have some of those kids as well. Um, he didn't say that over you. So we're here to enact what that actually looks like. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, justice can be a pretty trendy thing, you know, because um, Bono goes to Africa or whatever. Mm. Um, but that's not what this is about. Um, this is about the gospel. This mm. is about... This is about showing what the kingdom of God is about. You can't, uh, like what Darren was saying, what was it, one out of 10 verses in the New Testament, one out of 15 in the whole Bible. Like, you just have to realize that this is important to the Lord. This is important to him. Mm. And um, you, can't, you can't just go about thinking that if you just believe the right theologies and yada, mm. yada, yada. What, you're going to waste your life if you do that, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Yeah. You're going to waste your life yeah. if you keep everything up here and don't let it move to your hands and your heart. So, um, so this is how we. This is this is this is the way that the Lord has called me to live out the gospel in the context of, of northern Tanzania. So that's great. So, I think most of us would probably agree that if God said go to Africa, we would probably be terrified and maybe even say, okay, that wasn't really God, right? I think <laughs> that's probably the fear that a lot of us have. Um, but God, God puts a calling on all of our lives. God, God does. Invite us to participate in his kingdom here and now in very specific, tangible ways. And, and it's, it's not always going to Africa, but I think what we can discern maybe today and get from you is what, what does that look like? What does it look like for you to step into that, that calling, specifically of, of being a father to the yeah. orphans? Like, can you talk a little bit about that and maybe encourage those that might have, have, a, might have a similar calling or even just have something? What yeah. would you say to them? Um, do it. Go for it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I am completely convinced the Holy Spirit wants to speak to people. I, I am fully convinced that he is yelling at us a lot of the time, but we're, we have our headphones turned up too loud or something, and we don't want it, and we're not listening, okay? And we're missing what it is that he wants us to do. Um, I am so thankful that the Lord confirmed things to me for my specific calling. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had people, I've, I've talked to people before that are, maybe not being the most obedient to what the Lord has called them to. And, and they, they want to try to use that against me. And, and they, say, they say, oh, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to move to Tanzania? And I say, no, don't do that. Because the Lord's not calling you to that. But the truth is, the Lord is calling you to something. Yeah. The Lord yeah. is calling you to something. Mm. And um, the, the kingdom of God is the most beautiful uh, there's, there's, there aren't words that can describe how beautiful the kingdom of God is. Mm. And this is one of the reasons that it's so beautiful is because it's a humongous, I mean, I mean the, just the church as the people of God. Mm. Um, it, it's just all these people that are just supposed to be fulfilling what the Lord's called them to. For me and for, for my fiance Melissa, that looks like us 
going to going to Tanzania. I've been there for the last year, and um, it, it, that, that's what it looks like. It looks like us calling out who the Lord's spoken for these children to be. I don't know what that looks like for each of you. And, and if you'd like me to pray for you at some point to, mm. to hopefully call for that, I would love to do that. Because the truth is the Lord has called you to something big. The Lord has called you to something that's radical in the kingdom of God. Mm. And it's, 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 it's just allowing the Holy Spirit to move us to a place of obedience to where we mm. can fulfill those things. And if I can just tell you one thing that I've learned from my own walk yeah. as being 24 years old and living in a foreign country and um, you, you asked about the hardest thing. Yeah. I wouldn't even know where to start in answering that question, dude. Like, it's, everything is hard. Like, loneliness, yeah, check. Like, mm. pain, getting sick. I had malaria a couple times, you know, worms. Like, you know, like, there's a lot of things that are difficult. Like, I could just go down the list. But, mm. but and that's the thing, and unfortunately, that's the thing that keeps us from doing what we're called to do. And um, if I can just tell you that if I were to take everything um, all the pain, all the suffering, all the loneliness, everything, and just put it on this side. And just like, just to put just one thing on the list to try to tip the scales of just being obedient and what the Lord has called me to, I'll tell you that it's, it's, it far surpasses. It far surpasses just to follow the Lord um, mm-hmm. and just to actually be obedient to what he's called you to. Yes, it's hard. Of course it's hard. It's a cross, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a cross. Like, isn't that what he mm-hmm. said that we would be taking up? A road marked with suffering. So yeah, that happens, but it's worth it. It's great. It's worth it, guys. So um, so if I could just encourage you guys for whatever the Lord's called you to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel like the Lord's calling you to Tanzania, let me know. If you feel like the Lord's calling you to Costa Rica or wherever, God bless you. The Lord will do mighty things, and you will be satisfied, yeah. and you will find joy and peace in those things. I just I, I want to reiterate this story. 21-year-old hears, I'm going to run, not just help serve, I'm going to run an orphanage. And he follows that to Africa, to where now he's running an orphanage, and he's going to build, I mean, you're going to build a whole new campus, which is a whole story in itself, where he'll probably be the director of a whole other facility. There's all these things happening. He's 24 years old, and all he did was say yes to God. I, I just I just think guys like this is an incredible story. This this is unheard of in a lot of ways where just the adventure and the risk and the obedience where he, he just gave you a list. I, I think Paul writes something similar, but it doesn't say malaria and worms, it says other things. <laughs> but just imagine imagine I mean just cap be captured by a story. I just I feel that you could maybe share with us what do you want us to get? I mean we you have an audience of hundred and something people. Tonight you'll have some more people. Just if you could say anything to Long Beach, to the Garden, based on your experience here and what you've learned this last year, what do you want us to take take away? What do you want us to to do? Um, or here? Trust, trust God. Um, he has, he is, the Lord is good. Mm. The Lord is good. He knows what He's doing. He's sovereign. Um, he's in control of things. He. Um, he doesn't just call us to things mm. and then, like, okay, go do that. Like, no, like, his Holy Spirit is with you. You just have to trust him. Mm. Um, you know, everything that I was just saying about, about us fulfilling our callings as walking as members of the church, as people of the kingdom of God, um, you know, that is a scary thing. It's scary. I moved to Tanzania when I was 23 years old. Mm. I didn't, I, there's, there's, like, very few people there my age. Like, it's a scary thing. 
I poured my heart into Southern California. Mm. Like, like living in Long Beach, living in Costa Mesa. Um, I heard a lot of people here that I love. You remember my going away party. Yeah. It was incredibly difficult. It was so hard. Some, some people in this room were there. And it was so hard just to say goodbye to people. Um, but, you know, it just had to come to that point where I was just like, am I going to trust God? Mm. Am I going to trust God? Mm. And um, so that's what I would say. Trust yeah. the Lord. Um, he has good things for you. He has good things for you. Mm. He wants to bless you. Mm. He wants to bless you with his presence. He wants to bless you with his peace and with his joy. He wants to bless you with fulfilling the purpose that he's called mm. you to. Yeah. He's called you to a mighty mm. purpose. Trust him in that. Yeah. Don't get scared. Mm. Don't get scared. Yeah. He's good. He'll take care of you. So that's what I would want to share, just the trust. That's great. Thank you, Brandon. How, how can we, as a church that's committed to partnering with you as a missionary, as, um, as you lead in Tanzania, how can we support you specifically? And maybe just tell us what this next year looks like for you. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, number one, number one, honestly, the number one way um, that people support us is through prayer, um, through, through spending time on our knees interceding on behalf of these children and on behalf of the people that are there. Um, that's number one. Like, yes, I'm fundraising right now. There's a table back there. Come give us money. Yeah. Welcome. Seriously. <laughs> but, um, but number one thing is, is prayer. Uh, that's what we need. Um, mm. There are so many attacks from our adversary that comes against these kids because he hates them. Mm. He hates our kids. He hates us. And he comes against us, so we need people that will stand in the gap and, and just agree with what the Lord has spoken. Mm. Um, so that's number one. Um, second, you can give. Um, Darren was just mentioning, we got, we got more plans. My, the name of my organization is Hidden with Christ Ministries. Um, and um, we do have plans. We just uh, received some money to purchase some land. And... Um, we're going to start building, and it's going to take um, $900,000 for this, for this new campus where we'll be expanding. And then um, in a few years down the road, once this thing is, whole, is all set up, we're going to start another one, which I will move out and become the director of that one is the plan. So, um, so the Lord has a lot of things um, that are coming up for us, and we're just trusting him. Mm. So, um, but, but we know that the way that the Lord most often gives is choosing to allow people to partner with 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 ministry i don't i don't know your guys' stories there's a lot of people in this room but um you can't look at the bible and say i'm not called to help orphans you can't do that Amen. i'm sorry <laughs> and that's not because i work for an organization the lord takes care of me yeah the lord takes care of me i don't have a lot of money but yeah. he takes care of me so that's not what this is about this is about people choosing to be obedient and you can't look at the bible and say i'm not called to help orphans that's yeah. not true. Yeah. It, you don't have to move there like me and Melissa and those other missionaries that I work with, but um, you're called to do something. Mm. Um, and that's whether good. that's the orphans in, in sub-Saharan Africa or whether that's the orphans that are here in California, yeah. whatever that looks like, you're called yeah. to that. Um, so, so that could be one form. Um, and then, So those are two ways that, that, that you can help us for sure. Sweet. I, uh, I just want to ask one very practical one before we end, and then maybe we'll close in praise, uh, prayer and worship. <clears throat> What's been the biggest surprise this year? Something <laughs> unexpected. Easy. Yeah, I got engaged. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Hey, do you um, want to talk about that? Because that was an interesting... I mean, I remember yeah. meeting with you at coffee and talking through that. Like, that's a God story. I, I, met, I, met, I met a woman that is crazier than I am. That's, that's how that happened. No way. Um, I, I, I kid you not, my friend. 
But um, this is my fiance, Melissa. We is stand sitting up, right Melissa. There. We just want to see you. Yeah. This is Say Melissa. Hi, hi Melissa. <laughs> Thanks. Um, that's the biggest surprise by far. Um, mm. I left Long Beach in the middle of December. I was single. Um, did not know what that would look like. Um, didn't feel like the Lord was calling me to a life of uh, singleness long term. But I was just, you know, I, if if I wanted to, I could have. I would have had a much better chance um, of finding someone if I had. Uh, stayed in California, you know, a lot more fish in this sea, <laughs> but um, that would have been being disobedient, so, um, so I didn't want to do that. So, um, so the Lord led someone who read about me in a newspaper article up on the Central Coast, we're from the same area, and um, she ended up contacting me on Facebook, we started a correspondence, she came out in the summer, and one thing led to another, and now we're engaged. So. Um, <laughs> So that's the biggest surprise. But there have been plenty of others, but if you want the biggest one, there it is. So if you're looking for love, go to Africa. There you go. And, uh, just kidding. If, but see, I, I wouldn't want this to be mistaken. I wouldn't want this to be mistaken. I have to give this disclaimer. Um, it's called missionary my, dating. My, that's cool. <laughs> just kidding. That is, that's, a new, kidding. that's like a new meaning for missionary dating, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's like a whole other meaning yeah. now. Um, but... Um, <laughs> We, me, I, I know that this is Melissa's heart as well. We wouldn't want that to be like if you just hold out, then like she'll yeah. come around the yeah. corner or whatever. Uh, that's not our story. Our story is just two people choosing to be obedient and mm. just seeing what the Lord wanted to do, and that led to us coming yeah. together. So it didn't have anything to do with waiting for the one or whatever, mm. because the Lord does what the Lord will, and it's just mm. on us to be obedient in the thing that He puts before us. Mm. So um, that's that's what brought us together. Um, yeah. That's great. Brandon, thank you for sharing your story. I want you to stay here as we close, but I just want to close with this. It, it's pretty clear. Um, if you read the Bible, if you open any book in the Bible, you will read something about the poor and marginalized, the needy, the orphans, the widows, the aliens. Um, so as the people of God, for those that have said yes to Jesus, that I want to follow him with, for the rest of my life, the, the, the response today is that part of your worship is participating in justice. And finding the, the, the cracks of society and making things right. One person at a time. I, I, I pray, this is my prayer this morning as I was praying for this. I pray that some of you would be awakened to dreams that would bring the greatest resources in the world to have systematic, systemic transformation. Where whole societies and, and nations are changed because of, of justice that was sparked out of, out of a dream, out of a message. But, but all of us are called to participate in a lifestyle of love and justice. So that's one. And that's how you can respond today. Is respond by singing about justice and going out and bringing justice to the world. Um, but the second thing, and I think this is what I want to do today, as Jamie and the team comes up, I'll have you guys come up now. But I would love, uh, I would love to pray for some of you, and I would love for Brandon to pray. I believe when some of you heard his story, um, some of you have, have a call on your life that you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. Something specifically just shot up. And it, it might not be going to Africa. It might not be uh, um, starting this global ministry or a ministry at all. It might just be God's been talking to you for quite some time about this specific thing. And today is a day where you're going to set it before the Lord and say, all right, I'm willing to obey. And so what I'm going to ask is, as, as a church, we like to be family. I want to just invite you to stand right where you're at, just to say, something clicked in me, and I, want to, I know I'm called to something, and I just want to be obedient. And the first place is just to recognize that and be prayed for. And we're going to have Brandon and, and the people around you pray for you. So if that's you, um, 
I just want to invite you to stand up where you're at. James is going to start uh, leading in worship, and I'll pray for you. But if you have something in your heart that God's placed on you, we just want to pray for you today. And uh, thank you for standing. Yeah, just uh, you can play some music, and just thank you for standing. There's more of you. Something was, was just sparked, and your heart's maybe beating right now, and you're not sure. I just want to invite you and just allow God to do something. If you're uncertain and you feel maybe, just would you just stand right now? Just, the greatest thing we can do as a church is release the ordinary radicals to do ordinary life empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the greatest thing we could do, and that's what we want to do today. So if that's you, would you stand? We just want to pray for you. Thank you for standing. Um, brothers and sisters, if you believe in Jesus and you're here today, would you be on our prayer team um, and stand next to your friends and, and, and your brothers and sisters and lay a hand on them right now and just wait. I'm not going to ask you to pray yet. I just want you to lay hands. Stand with them in their obedience. Thank you for standing, guys. It's, it's hard. I always wonder, uh, I always wonder how many Abrahams did God ask before Abraham, the right Abraham said yes. You ever think about that? Go to this land, which I'll tell you, and when you get there, all it takes is for us to say yes. So would you just, um, right now, just wait on the Lord, and I'll let Brandon pray for you guys in just a second. Just pray for them. Bless them. And Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from the Garden, or if you would like to find out more about the Garden Church, check out our website at thegardenlb.org.